Hello everyone, it's uh, great to be back again today. I appreciate everyone's really positive um, review and uh, reception of, of this information. I, I appreciate it and I hope that it's useful. That's the reason why I'm doing it and providing it for you. Today I wanted to talk about, you know, and, and this is again, I'm bringing this to you from somebody who is not from a Buddhist family, as we say in the priesthood, the person who came through the uh, back door, not the... Uh, not through the front door, which seems opposite, but what that means is that not born into a priest family. You know, I came to practice Buddhism because of its uh, true practice, so therefore I don't have any, um, you know, uh, stakes in the game such as owning a temple that is through my family, etc. So, you know, I really, Buddhism is the save, the practice that saves my life. Um, that changes my life and manifests my life to what I would like to ultimately abide in, and that is the reality of life, in which I believe that we all seek. So that's the reason why I'm presenting this to everyone, is because uh, I'd like to share my uh, observation from somebody who, probably like yourself, uh, is a first-generation Buddhist. So a lot of times things um, uh, are not as clear as they can be because sometimes there can be uh, of course uh, language barriers because a lot of the great teachers of course from other countries and sometimes it's just misunderstandings or uh, things are not deeply explained so that's why I'm trying to do zero to 100 in these explanations so one of the big things that I've always tried to understand deeply and and I believe where I'm at now in my practice uh, both as a practitioner, as a Buddhist, as a Buddhist, and a Buddhist mentor, uh, is actually what is the student-teacher relationship? Because, as we see in this world, especially unfortunately, Buddhism has had lots of scandals where, you know, we come in as very uh, believing uh, practitioners that we want to follow these great teachers, and you know, such things come about, such as crazy wisdom in which people. Uh, use, of course, the guise of Buddhism to take out or to complete their desires or whatever their their ideas, uh, and sometimes and a lot of and most of the time that results in, of course, abuse. Now in Buddhism, of course, the power, uh, how do you say, the power aspect of relationships is extremely important because again. Uh, Buddhism is based on this concept and realization of the middle way. That's the ultimate understanding that a teacher should have. Uh, and in that, that allows them to understand true emptiness and the idea of using expedience and skillful means to teach people. So that's why in Buddhism we don't just simply resolve ourselves to everything is empty, nothing is substantial. Uh, we also resolve ourselves to, through the threefold contemplation, that uh, things have mass, although only temporary, and that they are made up of other causes and conditions. This allows us to understand the middle way. So back to the idea of the uh, concept of uh, the master-disciple relationship. Now, a lot of people don't like the idea of master, uh, because obviously in the West there is a lot of connotations that go with that. You know, as a Buddhist, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure we can always perfect our language, Again, I prefer uh, to use the actual uh, traditional words. So if you're in a Japanese tradition, sometimes using the Japanese traditional 
words such as um, uh, teacher or uh, sensei, which means one who has gone before, shiso, uh, you know, which is like a teacher, or shonin, which means one who has gone above or understood something. So, you know, these are all very useful terms because a lot of times we, as we probably see, find out that there is, you know, our language is based on Greek and Latin, and of course the amount of uh, the, the words are being used in a Judeo-Christian fashion based on religion influences language. So if you look at the East, a lot of the words that we would just interpret using uh, our language are missing the real meaning, such as the idea of sensei, that's a perfect example. Sensei means somebody who has gone before, before understanding. So that means somebody who has gone the path, understood a certain amount of information, and is able to mentor someone concerning that. Uh, it's interesting, the idea of sensei, you know, we you hear all of this uh, funny use of sensei and also in martial arts dojo, but uh, it actually means that one has gone before, but that doesn't mean one who stays ahead. So, I mean, it does allow, and again, the hope is for a good teacher that their students are able to get what they're talking about, that they're beneficial to their students' practice, and of course, uh, not causing any problems or being uh, counterproductive to the person's practice. But also the fact is that they can someday walk shoulder to shoulder with the teacher and perhaps even pass the teacher in which the teacher uh, learns something. Because, you know, again, Buddhism has this really great practice and this comes back to the full threefold understanding that, you know, there's emptiness, but also there's substantial existence, even though it's momentarily and made up of causes and conditions. That's why Buddhism can be practiced and skillful means can be used to understand the middle way. Now, that's a pretty big concept to unpack, but I'm just throwing it out there if you understand that. Uh, now, what is the purpose of the teacher-disciple relationship? I've been trying, as myself, I have students that are studying to become priests. And uh, this question is always in my mind in that I'm doing the proper thing. And again, that's hopefully what all teachers are learning because teachers are learning as well. There's a famous uh, quote that I had put online that in, in order to study the martial arts, uh, you first take 10 years, and again, this is not just saying 10 years exactly, and then you got it. This is just an example. That 10 years, you learn to overcome yourself, and then another 10 years, so 20 years in total, to be able to use the martial arts effectively to deal uh, with others. Uh, that's substantially the idea with Buddhism. You know, we're dealing with ourselves, dealing with others, and, and that takes time. And again, that's why... To be a mentor, uh, which I believe is the more appropriate word for a teacher uh, in, in, we in the Western concepts or uh, Western culture that I've come to, is that one who we give respect to. Now, that's an important part of the, re the relationship, that there, there is a respect. That respect is showing the value of their time, their teaching, right? So when I was in the university... Uh, doing a thesis for a master's degree, everyone, whether you're doing a PhD or a master's, you had to get a mentor. That means somebody who's already done it. And that mentor allows you, because you're writing uh, hundreds and hundreds of pages on one concept that you're trying to share and prove, and obviously, usually after 
20 pages and maybe 30 pages or 50, if you're lucky enough, you have already explained what you wanted to explain, but they want you to go into depth. And that takes somebody on your side asking the right questions and also allowing you to move uh, through the process yourself without getting stuck or overburdened by it. Because that's something I'm sure you've experienced in Buddhism. Uh, when we hit a plateau, when we hit, you know, uh, have a question. Because you can go on the internet, and this is funny because somebody said this to me yesterday concerning the five elements, you know, and how it's taught. That nowadays anybody can make a podcast, anybody can make a website. And a lot of times they use those concepts, and there's nothing wrong with that, within their own different traditions to explain something. But they may not have the exact understanding of it. And also when they apply it, because they haven't taught, been taught it correctly or in depth, a lot of times what will happen is it'll be misinterpreted. So all that information is out on the internet. So you know nowadays we have people who um, perhaps don't want to or have been abused or hurt with the teacher-student relationship or the mentor relationship that they uh, no longer uh, have that guidance. So therefore they look up their information on the websites and online and just hear a variety of information and, and again there can be uh, contradictory and difficult information in other traditions as well that's the idea of skillful means there's so many teachings so many teachers how they interpret it and again buddhism should be experiential so our interpretation is valid um, but again you can see the responsibility of a teacher that what you put out there has to be correct. So I'm constantly checking and studying myself. So it's not as if I've learned all this. I went to university, and this is the, the concept of modern Buddhism that's a problem. People have this university concept. They have a master's or a PhD in Buddhism. And yet, in order to teach it to other people, because when you get down to the finite practices and experiences that we have, you you must have the experiential uh, experiential um, experience in order to guide someone correctly through skillful means. Because if you're doing it from a book or a concept, that doesn't lend itself to the actual experience that people are having. So a lot of times, people uh, teachers get stuck, and sometimes people uh, can't admit, "I don't know." That's one of the greatest. Uh, purifications that someone had said to me is that just simply saying I don't know and that goes for anybody as a Buddhist we should have that integrity that reality that we don't take things for granted we don't need or create dogmas in our life just for the sake of dogmas or kind of answering a question uh, we should use you know the correct means of cessation and insight and insight and contemplation means seeing the thought the idea for what it is now, this is the really important part, because in a relationship, uh, a mentoring relationship, if somebody has had the experiential practice of what we wish to attain, that should be evident. So, you know, again, when we look at teachers, so this is the first part, when you're looking for a teacher, uh, I would say, you know, the teachers present themselves when the time is ready. That's very true. It sounds very cliche, but it's true. Because when you're ready, you're in the mentality, you're ready to go, you can see the teacher more clearly, the opportunity perhaps. However, the important thing is, is that again, in the mentor relationship, it's both ways. 
when we see the teacher, we have to understand the responsibility. And I'll go into that next. But seeing the teacher, so I'll give you my example. When uh, I was uh, studying with my first Buddhist master uh, in Chinese Tiantai Buddhism. And at that time, uh, of course, studying the sutras intellectually, uh, I wanted to debate and study and uh, debate and challenge other people and other teachings to see what is the real truth. Because again, back to that concept that I keep talking about, you know, I understand that no one has any special powers or abilities that I don't have to realizing the truth or contemplating reality. So therefore, um, I really... Uh, want to challenge to see where people are at. Now, again, when you say challenge, there's the ego in that as well. And that absolutely was true in the situation of that I'm explaining. However, again, through skillful means, even the ego, uh, we can find ourselves in the correct practice. So, as I would go around and debate to many different teachers, I was very fortunate by uh, the power of the Lotus Sutra to meet uh, my current teacher, Reverend Skamoto, and it was interesting because I had gone to every possible sect of Buddhism. Also, I was uh, a Buddhist monk at that time. So I wasn't looking necessarily for uh, getting another teacher because my teacher, actually, Shuanguan Sifu, was, is an amazing person and a wonderful teacher. However, I wanted to challenge and grow that. And actually, as a great teacher he was absolutely fine with that. Uh, because again, he was more of the Pure Land tradition, so they didn't necessarily uh, contemplate, study the sutras, etc. They chanted the Nembutsu, which to me, as a Westerner, and again, that is a perfectly legitimate practice of Buddhism, to lead us to wherever we need to go. So this is not a criticizing of it. Uh, you may say, well, you're a Nichiren priest, so you should criticize it. But actually, I'm not Nichiren Shonen. And that, that is not what I do. So therefore, I understand this is the idea of seeing skillful means, expedient means, all the different practices of Buddhism. And, of course, anyone who enters the path of the Buddha, uh, that is the greatest gift, that is the greatest accomplishment in one's life. So, respect to everyone. Um, and, you know, so I met Skomoto Sensei, and immediately he challenged me with saying, well, your interpretive Buddhism, for instance, you look skinny, you look very pale. Uh, and of course, I was indignant in saying, well, of course, because I practice extreme precepts. I eat once a day. I sleep sitting up or in the lion's posture. I read the sutras nonstop. I'm just so disciplined. Look at me. And he simply said, uh, after making sure I wasn't a ghost or a non-human, uh, that he said, uh, the purpose of Buddhism is life and health. And uh, now, of course, in my practice, I understand really what that means. Uh, however, at that time, I was just very aggravated by it. So this is a good, this is a good point to, to, to bring up, that teachers always don't make you feel good. That's, that's a misunderstanding, especially in this modern culture we have. We pursue things in how we feel, right? So we do it from an emotional standpoint. When we meditate, we get high from, of course, the serenity, perhaps stopping the wandering mind, uh, you know, in a, way, in a way, attachment to emptiness. We just want to get rid of it all, same as when we go on a vacation 
or when somebody uses drugs or alcohol, etc., just want to get out of the current state of samsara and be free. And we expect our teachers to give that to us. Again, first of all, you should understand your teachers can't give you anything. Uh, a mentor is simply somebody, as we say in Buddhism, which would be the equivalent of a good friend that is an advisor and somebody who has experience. So therefore, uh, we should develop a relationship with them that is uh, built on that trust. And again, in that, the next part that I talk about is trust, because you know a lot of people want to become my student, and I am very well of the very aware of the concept and understanding that it takes time, it takes time to understand each other, it takes time to understand the reality of one's practice to see it's legit, and again that is a building relationship, so it takes time. So when I met Komoto Sensei, he made me wait an entire year, uh, watched me. Uh, also, just so you know, uh, what was I doing? I had to come to Toronto, which was about three and a half hours, three hours maybe, depending on Toronto traffic. So if anyone's in Toronto, you'll know what I'm talking about. Getting there and simply cleaning the outside of the temple, picking up the garbage, cleaning the poop, all that stuff, putting them in the plastic bags, and taking the plastic bags with me across the border, so, uh, you know, into the United States, which sometimes was a funny situation, which I had to explain to the border guards what was in the bags in the back, which was trash, uh, to dispose of in the United States and bring back with me. And I did this without being able to enter the temple, nor ask any questions about Buddhism. But as you can see, this is where a stumbling block would happen with most people, especially if you have uh, this, this mind of desire in which you want fulfillment and you expect fulfillment. Of course, we all should know, if you're practicing Buddhism, fulfillment doesn't come from clinging to things externally. So if we look at the world uh, that it is to provide us with everything we want, and everyone should respond to us however we want to fulfill our desires, you're probably a pretty miserable human being because that's not going to happen. And I hope that every adult uh, has learned this because just simply following your desires and that is not necessarily what the practice of Buddhism is. We're talking about truth here. I'm not talking about giving you what you want. So a lot of times, in order to understand what the truth is, what's the underlying concept of Buddhism, through our practice, that means dealing with ourselves, which if you have realized the reality of all things, you could perhaps be a difficult person, especially with our ego, our thoughts, our concepts, etc. And, you know, after that training for the amount of time, suddenly I had to go in to use the restroom. But I, I, just so you understand, I couldn't you go even go into the temple. This is the seeking mind that we have to have. That's the pure mind, that at whatever cost, we want to practice once you know who your teacher is. That's who you go for, your mentor. That's who you go to. That's the relationship you built with trust, that you go and you discuss these important aspects of your practice. You don't go, and some people might have seen me on the internet, say, go talk to your teacher. You know, just sitting online and asking people their opinions about your Buddhist practice and that is not proper. And and actually, and, and I'm not saying that from a dictatorial, you know, dictator position. What I'm saying is just not going to be useful for you. Because again, they don't know you. A relationship with a teacher it takes so much time and so much energy. And, and that takes patience. 
and and you can't expect to immediately go somewhere and learn uh, everything that you want and the teacher must give it to you and that if they don't give it to you on your own timeline uh, you know that that is ultimately their fault so you know and again Practicing is a lifetime pursuit. So once I was allowed to go in, I had to actually use the bathroom. I began cleaning the bathrooms for another six months. And then after that amount of time, then I was brought into the dojo and began cleaning the dojo, uh, the main hall of the temple. And then at that time, he started introducing different Buddhist practices. So, you know, be careful when you're thinking about a relationship with a teacher in that you simply just get what you want. Because actually, if you're having a teacher that gives you what you want, uh, you might be, take, be taken for a ride. Because I'll tell you something, in my study and practice, and, and, and there's a point that we can study and practice on our own, but the teacher is always there. And I'm not saying that is an overlord, that you owe the rest of your life to them forever and ever it's a very important relationship because as I work through my practice and study, which of course changes based on one's uh, responsibility. So at first your responsibility is for your own practice. Then as we understand that, then we are, you know, they talk about the idea of understanding emptiness, seeing reality as it is. Then the conventionality of all, uh, of all things that we then realize the idea of skillful means then through that, we contemplate and understand the middle way through our actions and through our contemplative realization. So we can then see what medicine needs to be applied. However, you know, even as a teacher, this is always growing. And, and every opportunity for us is an opportunity to grow in our Buddhist practice and in our lives, because Buddhist practice is not separate from our lives. If you're gr growing in your Buddhist practice, you will be healthy. You will be uh, growing. It's not saying that you'll be happy. That's not a guarantee. What that means is that you'll be progressing. Because actually, I believe that when we grow and progress in our life, that's the true meaning of life. But when we become stagnant, just as like when we flatline, uh, we die. So therefore, these huge waves of the mind, these huge waves of attachment, karma, become lesser. That when we move through life, we're no longer bound by the tide that we actually can now swim because we have the right uh, features, the right uh, power, the right exercise, the right mind to know how to save others from drowning. So therefore, you know, and, and again, teaching your relationship, again, will always challenge what you think. And again, people think in the modern sense, that's why don't mistake ofuse, the idea of giving, for the idea of hiring. So we don't hire our Buddhist teachers. Um, the idea of giving charity, the first of the six paramitas, is essential for really practicing Buddhism. What that means is that when we look at regular people, usually, and all beings look at, uh, for human beings, look at, for the most part, um, look at value through money. Because obviously you make your money, you work hard for it, and you value it. So therefore, you look at what you spend your money on. However, if you look at people, the way they look at Buddhist practice, they'd rather spend uh, five or six, or I don't know how much they are, I'm not a coffee drinker, but 
up to $10 on something, like a cup of coffee, but will not donate to the temple, will not uh, donate uh, ofuse uh, to their teacher for the teachings. This has to be a proper relationship because when we don't value them, we don't value ourselves. So if you don't value the Buddhist teaching as the highest, the most important thing in your life, then you are not truly practicing Buddhism. Because in that mindset, you are, of course, still stuck in the, the mindset of what is valuable to you, and that is ego. So you haven't made the correct jump or the correct movement to going beyond yourself, then you're not ready to teach. So don't be surprised sometimes if a teacher goes, I can't teach you. Because many times in a relationship, if the person is not truly practicing, they haven't, they haven't cultivated, they haven't aspired properly, and the aspiration is the most important part, that you aspire to really do this, then what happens is nothing happens. Uh, and don't grow. And then we don't change. We don't realize and then ultimately what, what the result is, is that we fall in on our practice. Our practice becomes uh, lethargic. Our practice becomes trouble. We tend to resent our practice. We may go on to another practice. We may jump around to different teachers. All of that is just going to delay your practice. And uh, so therefore, be smart, uh, study, uh, learn, be sincere in your study of Buddhism. And again, please understand the reality of the essential, the essential nature of the teacher-student relationship. I'm not just saying this to get you to join a Buddhist temple or something like that or get a teacher or sign a contract for the rest of your life. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is from my own experience and from the realization and understanding of Buddhist practice. And of course, coming from a Western point of mind, uh, a point of reference, this is essential. It may it may go against the grain of being, like for instance, an American, which we don't want to be beholden to anybody. That is absolutely uh, a part of our culture. However, when we practice Buddhism, we have to realize and understand Buddhist culture. And there's a reason for that culture. Because if you want to change your mind, you can be American Buddhist. You can bring Buddhist culture into American thought. American culture. But we have to go into Buddhist culture to understand the basics. When we change, when we realize things, then we come out and that can be applicable and adaptable properly without causing harm uh, in our culture. Otherwise, if you go there with all of your baggage, your ideas and that, not going to work. And any good teacher would say you're not ready. That's why be ready to humble yourself, have the trap correct mind, have the seeking mind, because that is the one thing that will sustain you in your practice. And of course, watch out, you know, for yourself, because again, uh, you know, we have to be aware when there is something that perhaps is uh, um, incorrect, such as abuse is totally uh, unacceptable. So that's something that even in modern Buddhist cultures, there's problems with. But again, uh, Try to find the right teacher. Uh, really important to grow a long-term relationship. And through that long-term relationship, really uh, will help you progress exponentially on the path of Buddhism. So I hope this has been helpful for you guys. Just trying to share 
some of my experience. Uh, hopefully it's helpful for you. If you have any questions or anything you'd like to hear discussed, send me an email at seattlebuddhist at hotmail.com. And I look forward to talking to you guys again. Thank you. Namu myoho renge kyo.